Faith and hope is the light that leads us from the impossible to the possible. Welcome to the I'm Possible Radio Show. Good evening, good evening, good evening, everyone. Welcome to a special edition of the I'm Possible radio show. And pretty soon you'll figure out why it's special, of course. One, because it's not Saturday morning, of course, at 9 a.m. But um, I have a very special guest on today. But before I introduce who that guest is and what we're going to be talking about, Let's get the formalities out of the way, as we always do. So if this is your first time tuning into the show or to JQLM Radio, and you would like to share with your family, friends, and followers on all the different ways that they can tune in, be sure to tell them to download the JQLM Radio app on their Apple or Android devices. You can also listen live via Amazon Alexa, TuneIn app, Stream of Simple Radio app, and a host of other platforms of which you can find located on our website where you can also listen live at egoentertainmentnet.com. Also, don't forget to follow, like, and share us on social media. We do follow back. You can connect with us at JQLM Radio on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can also connect with Ego Entertainment Network at egoentnet, that's E-G-O-E-N-T-N-E-T, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Also, don't forget to connect with us on LinkedIn at Ego Entertainment Network. And last but not least, if you would like to connect with myself, Lady J, you can follow me on Facebook at Lady J Brand, on Instagram at LadyJ.co, on Twitter at JAQ underscore one, that's J-A-Q-U underscore and the number one, on LinkedIn at Lady J. Also, don't forget to follow the I'm Possible Radio Show on Facebook at I'm Possible Radio Show and on Instagram at I'm Possible Radio. And last but not least, if you would like to learn more about myself and all of the different brands and shows that I host and different products and services that I offer, you can visit my website at ladyj.co. Now that we have all of that out of the way, let's go ahead and introduce our guest for today. Our guest is none other than Rhonda Thompson of Total Breakthrough Center. Welcome to the show, Rhonda. Hey, Lady J. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so honored and happy to be here. We've been trying to make this happen for a minute, so I'm glad that today is the day. Yes, we have. (laughs) (laughs) It's been a long time coming. (laughs) It's all right. Everything's right on time, just the way it's supposed to be. Yes, yes. So uh, even though I introduced her as um, someone, you know, she owns the Total Breakthrough Center. uh, Today, we're actually going to be talking about her story, of course, because you all know this show is all about people sharing their stories of overcoming the impossible so that you all can realize that they were still possible in spite of those circumstances. And because they are possible, so are you. So with that being said, Rhonda, will you introduce yourself to the listeners real quick and just tell them where you're from, what you do, and what you like to do in your spare time? Sure. Uh, My name is Rhonda L. Thompson, and um, I live in Metro Atlanta. I was brought up in Buffalo, New York, and uh, the Poconos before I moved here to Georgia. Um, But some of the things that I like to do in my spare time, I'm an avid photographer. I love to write. Um, I love to uh, just cook a whole lot because I'm Italian. Um, (laughs) And I'm the owner of Total Breakthrough Center, which we'll get into later. Uh, Counselor, coach, speaker, mentor, trainer. And um, yeah, I can't wait to share my story. All right. Awesome. So your story is similar to my story and some of my other guests. Um, So can you just uh, briefly kind of tell the listeners a little bit about your background, your upbringing? Sure. There is probably not very many forms of abuse that I have not been through or endured in some way, shape or form. Um, My background consists of 
a lot of sexual abuse by family members and people whom I trusted very much. Um, it is also inclusive of physical abuse, verbal abuse, psychological abuse. Um, at one point I was raped, uh, by a husband. Um, people don't think you can be raped by a husband, but you can. And, um, yeah, there's just a lot of abuse, low self-esteem. And, um, at one point I worked in massage parlors and I even worked for a short time as a, a stripper, as a dancer, you know, to make ends meet. And, um, there was many times that I thought of ending my life. I never really tried or did it that cause I was scared enough to not do it, but I was overwhelmed. Um, I was a single mom of five and, uh, that gets to be very overwhelming. And, uh, the biggest thing people don't know about me is I developed a certain addiction, but my addiction was not drugs or alcohol. The addiction that I developed was a sex addiction because, uh, sex addiction, because I just want it to be loved and people don't realize sex addiction nine times out of 10 has nothing to do with sex. Well, in my case, it didn't. Um, and I used all those things that I had come through. That's the reason why I got into psychology and counseling, because when I was going through those things, there was nobody to really talk to it or turn to. And um, I've got a lot of things that have happened in between that I'm sure we'll get into. But that's that's the very, very, very short version. Uh, so, yeah, we're going to pause right there. <laughs> uh, definitely sex addiction is something I am all too familiar with, as that is something that I have struggled with in life. Um and nine times out of 10, usually it is uh, a coping mechanism, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, for any type of trauma or void yeah. that one is, you know, uh, feeling. Mm -hmm. So with your childhood and uh, the abuse you endured, can you kind of uh, talk a little bit about how did that impact the way that you saw yourself? Because what a lot of people don't realize is, um, so to be suicidal, I'm one of those people who mm -hmm. actually attempted suicide more than mm -hmm. once. Mm -hmm. um, to be suicidal, to be addicted to drugs or alcohol or prescription drugs or sex or um, find yourself um, getting into gangs and a whole bunch of other th different things, uh, getting into domestic violence relationships, aligning mm -hmm. yourself with people who uh, mean you harm and are not good for you with toxicity. Uh, aligning yourself with those people is a, a direct reflection of how you see yourself. All of these things that I've mentioned are mere symptoms mm -hmm. of an underlying cause of mm -hmm. a root cause. So can you tell me a little bit about um, what your actual root cause was for you to develop these symptoms and mm -hmm. then uh, have them impact or alter your behaviors? Sure. Um, and you, you made a lot of great points. Um, and, you know, yes, your, your story and my story are very, very similar, even down to our trainings and our interests and why we do what we do. Um, uh, trauma is my specialty uh, as a counselor, because I have realized through my own life, everything goes back to an initial trauma or a mm -hmm. series of traumas. And, you know, um, and the way you see yourself matters because uh, the way that you see yourself is how you show up in the world and how you see the world and it's how you view the safety of the world and your future. And so for me, the root cause for me was the core belief that I had was I'm not worth keeping. And I had that so ingrained in Ooh. me that um, I was not worth keeping and I was not worth saving because mm -hmm. when the molestations were happening, um, especially, you know, with my, with my mom's boyfriend and stuff there, uh, the, the person who did it to me, um, he said that if I told anybody, he would hurt my sister. Now for me, that meant a lot because backing up a little bit, there's a lot of, of, of that play that made me fall into what I fell into. And I'll, and I'll preface this by saying nobody plans to do this. Like nobody sets out and is like, oh, I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that. It's a it's a mm -hmm. consequence of events that happen based on what you're going through. And looking back now, I know the way I responded was 100 percent normal compared to what I was dealing with, because for so long I thought it was so abnormal and something was wrong with me and there, there was nothing wrong with me. It was a normal reaction to the things that were happening to me. So mm -hmm. for me. Um, 
the very first thing that happened was uh, my dad left when I was two, uh, two years old and uh, at three years old. Um, the very first childhood memory I have is my mother telling me, she always told me my sister was my responsibility and she left me alone with her to care for her and to take care of her. And she always said, your sister is your responsibility. You need to protect your sister. And when I was three years old, my mother um, put the put my sister on the bed and some kind of way she got to the edge of the bed and she was falling and, and I caught her as best I could. And, you know, uh, was screaming and stuff because I was scared and I was holding her. She was heavy. And then when my mom came in, she threw, she like pushed me aside to, you know, and said, what did you do to your sister? Why are you hurting your sister? And she immediately grabbed my sister. And I remember that vividly. That was the first thing. And you know, when things happen, they don't have as much of an impact unless they're repetitive throughout your childhood. And then they start to get ingrained. So that was the first thing that I remember. Now, going forward, um, when my I was getting molested by my mom's boyfriend, um, mm-hmm. now that because he said somebody will he will hurt my sister. That's why I I was like I failed taking care of my sister when I was three. So that was enough to keep me in place. And I was 12 years old and, um, you know, and I laid there and I let him do it because I wanted to protect my sister because I, I didn't protect her before. And fast forward, my sister was getting molested by another one of my mom's boyfriends and she ended up taking him to jail And all this time, I didn't say anything about the man who was molesting me. So I finally got the courage and I told my mother, look, so-and-so has been doing this to me. And she looked at me, she backhanded me and she said, you lying slut. I'll never lose another man because of you. That's a second instance that Mm -hmm. she rescued my sister and threw me to the side. So now I've got it in my mind that um, I'm not safe. And that I'm not worth keeping. I'm not worth saving, which created this whole division between me and my sister to the point where I literally hated her. And I literally physically tried to kill my sister quite a few times as we were growing up because of that wedge that was there. And I was like the black sheep and everything I did was wrong. But I found out later that, um, you know, going back and and looking back through things, you know, hindsight is 2020. When you go back and you look at it, um, I found out later my mother's history and she had been through a lot of abuse and she had been through a lot of things. So, and she had been called a cock tease growing up and, you know, she would say those same things to me. She would regurgitate that to me. And so she was pouring out onto me the things that she went through. And in my mind, I'm thinking the reason she didn't do anything was because Nobody saved her. And there's like this phenomenon that happens with mothers and daughters, especially the oldest, that when something Mm -hmm. happens, you would think the mother would go in and protect and all that. But sometimes they're like, they know what's going on or they have an an inkling of what's going on and nobody saved them. So they don't save you. And that's so that was the second time that that got repeated to me. And then that started a series of, me feeling, you know, like, okay, I'm on my own. I'm mm-hmm. going to have to do this myself. And so then my next thing was, how do I get out of this house? You know, um, that was my mission in life was to get out of that house. So I was trying to find the fastest way out of the house because it wasn't safe for me. And, you know, and uh, when I was 13, I had my first abortion um, and that that's a whole nother story. And mm-hmm. I never told my mother because, you know, I had this history of knowing that I couldn't tell my mom something. She wasn't going to protect me in right. that sense, even though she said she loved us fiercely and she protected us when it came down to it. What I made that mean was I wasn't worth saving or I wasn't worth keeping that I was dispensable. So mm-hmm. I did yep. not tell her that I was pregnant and my guidance counselor actually took me to get my first abortion And I did it by myself. And I didn't tell my mom until like a year and a half later um, that that even happened. And, um, you know, fast forward, uh, trying to get out of the house, 
I joined the Marines because um, in my mind, I wanted to, you know, do something to where nobody would hurt me anymore. So I was like, well, first of all, the recruiter was very cute. And, (laughs) and by this time, you know, with all the things that had been done to me between family members and, you know, her boyfriend and stuff, I started thinking, um, you know, that all I was good for was sexual, you know, pleasing men and, and stuff like that. Because when I was 12 years old, when he started doing this to me, you know, my body was going through puberty. So it was responding. And then I felt very bad. I felt very dirty. I felt very tainted. But then at the same time, my body was responding. And at the same time, some kind of way I knew how to please a man, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. And the things that were done. um, And it's like, no kid should know that. So that lets me know that there was deeper, you know, abuse. And so I got the image in my head that that's all I was worth. So- Mm -hmm. That's when I became very, you know, uh, I became very promiscuous once I left the house. Um, I joined the Marines, you know, because I wanted to be strong and tough and nobody would hurt me. Um, But then I got pregnant and um, got out of it. And uh, yeah, then a whole nother lifestyle opened up in college uh, when I didn't have any rules. But that's when I developed and realized I had a sex addiction was when I was in college. Because now if somebody would do something for me or be nice to me. I'm thinking in my mind that I have to sleep with them, you know, because all Mm -hmm. I wanted was to be loved. That's it. I just wanted to be loved. I just wanted somebody to protect me and be with me. And when my dad left and he never contacted us and all this other stuff, then I made that mean that I wasn't worth keeping. I saw him once when I was eight and I saw him again when I was 12 and again when I was 50 and that's it you know, for my entire life with my father. So when a girl grows up with that too, where you don't have your father there and, you know, to, to guide you and stuff, you get all these messed up ideas about yourself and men and women. And then I saw my mother acting the way that she was, and she was an alcoholic and there was a lot of men in and out of the house. So that was natural. And, and I know now, and I'm not saying anything negative about my mom. It's just, this is the facts. This is a truth I grew up with. So Mm -hmm. no shade to my mom. She's passed now, but she was very promiscuous and she grew, she taught us and raised us always have one guy on the side, always have somebody doing this, never settle. You can never trust a man. And believe it or not, she raised us to be prejudiced because she was very prejudiced. And I never could get with that because I just, I just couldn't get with it. So that was the example that I had all this time. And she was an alcoholic. So I'm taking care of her. I'm taking care of my sister. I'm seeing men in and out, constantly jumping out of the house. You know, like it was a revolving door with men in the house. And, you know, and a lot of times they would make inappropriate advances to us, but none as bad as the person that actually would come into my room, you know, each night. Um, and you just kind of got used to it. And then she would tell me, well, you're just, you know, um, you're a cock tease or you're, you know, uh, you think everybody wants to be with you. And it's like, I'm not doing anything to bring this on, but she couldn't see that because right. now we know her history and that all that stuff was said to her. So mm-hmm. she realized she was projecting that onto me. Now, right. I right. now but she never got healing from that. And when she died, that's something she never dealt with her abuse. She would never talk about it. And, and I wish she would have, um, you know, and got to a place of healing, but I've done the work where I'm healed now. And now I help others because I can recognize when a woman is in that and, you mm-hmm. know, um, well, I'll pause for a second. Cause yeah, cause <laughs> I can keep talking yeah, yeah. to let you. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, no, I, Listen, the background was was very needed for us to continue into the next phase of this conversation. Mm-hmm. But um, there are a couple things that you mentioned that I do want to touch on. But before we get into that, I want to go ahead and take our first commercial break really quickly. Mm-hmm. And when we come back, uh, we'll go ahead and recap for those who are joining us. And then we will um, continue this conversation and talk about uh, the 
the next phase of <laughs> uh, of your story and and kind of touch on some of the things that you talked about as far as because I know there are some people out there who are experiencing or mm-hmm. going through some of the same things that you did, mm-hmm. um, you know, and uh, where you are relatable. Right. you know, for them. So, and then we'll get into um, how you climbed your way out of this <laughs> mm-hmm. into uh, much, a much healthier mindset and, and behavior. So stick and stay, everybody will be right back. You are tuned in to the I'm Possible Radio Show with your girl, Lady J, right here on JQLM Radio, a division of Ego Entertainment Network. Hey, how you doing? It's me. That's right. It's me, T.P. T.P. Hearn. I'm I'm going back to Indiana. <laughs> That's right. I'm coming home. Indianapolis. I'm going to be there. Simply Serenity is doing it again. The Valentine's Day comedy show weekend. It's going to be off the chain February the 11th. Hosted by your boy Sweaty Hands. And I'm bringing a gang of comics with me. That's right, T.P. Hearn, February 11th, Serenity, Simply Serenity is joining again. <laughs> the Valentine's Day Comedy Jam. Are you in need of a fresh perspective on relationships, wholeness, love, and transformation? Or are feeling consumed with hurts from the past and finding it difficult to overcome traumatic events? Well, contact licensed marriage and family therapist Sharon Mason of Love That Relationship. She can get you back on the road to building a healthy and loving relationship with yourself and others. Love That Relationship. Hey, it's your girl, Lady J, and this is a special public service announcement. The Gallery Event Center of Indianapolis, Indiana is now an official partner. If you are a client of mine and you are in need of a venue to book your next event, then book with the Gallery Event Center today, who offers all-inclusive packages at extremely affordable prices. But wait, there's more. You are able to book custom all-inclusive packages that have been tailored exclusively for Lady J's clients. And yes, that includes the Ego Entertainment Network clients too. Connect with me today at LadyJ.co to receive your promo code and visit the Gallery Event Center located at 5852 East 82nd Street or call 317-534-6399 and visit their website at thegalleryeventcenter.com. This has been a special... Hey there. If you can hear my voice, this is Pamela, host of Hospital the Tea, here to remind you that Eagle Entertainment Network has a lot for your business. Listen, honey, you need to get with it. Eagle Entertainment offers various services, media coverage, red carpet services, promo interviews on air. They offer meet and greet services, honey, not to mention other event services. You want to get in gear. Eagle Entertainment is empowered, greatness optimized. We're now booking and spots are going fast. Eagle serves the United States and all event types, honey. So if you are opening a business, having a store opening, a restaurant opening, and you want some coverage, Eagle Entertainment is the way to go. Call or text 317-886-0296 or go to egoentertainmentnet.com. All right. And we are back. You are tuned in to the I'm Possible Radio Show with your girl, Lady J, right here on JQLM Radio, a division of Ego Entertainment Network. And of course, this is a special edition. And my guest I've been talking with is Rhonda Thompson. And she has been sharing her story of overcoming the impossible. Um, For those of you who are just now tuning in, she, uh, during her childhood, she went through uh, rape. She went through molestation. She uh, went through feeling unprotected. Um, she also felt un- uh, felt that her mother 
you know, was not listening. She learned how to be promiscuous by watching her. And then she became really promiscuous. She got into stripping. She joined the Navy because she wanted to become tough and a host of other things <laughs> of which she shared. And so she has just, just been giving us background about her upbringing and some of the trauma that she endured that led to her uh, becoming a sex addict, that led to her feeling like she was not worth saving, was not worth keeping. And those of you who know me and know my story, I know all too well what that means. Some of the people that I have mentored and counseled, they know what that means. And for those of you who are out there that are listening to this, just continue to listen because you're also going to learn some things from her on how to pull yourself out of that as well. Um, and whenever I am in conversation with individuals whose stories kind of align with mine, I am just in awe because you don't meet too many people that have stories that involve a host of, uh, all different types of trauma. It's usually one or two different types of trauma. And so, um, it is really amazing to see someone who has experienced a myriad of things in life that was meant to kill them, that was meant to destroy them, that was meant to uh, completely, you know, tear them down and or make them extremely bitter and just toxic. And they become the complete opposite. That is rare in life. So uh, Rhonda, Yes. Now that you have gotten to, you know, this point where you have, uh, I'll say you're at the height of these toxic behaviors and this mindset, this negative mindset about yourself, uh, tell me what, what was the turning point or when did you realize that, hey, you know, I'm in trouble, this is wrong and I want to change this? Okay. That's a great question. Um, and real fast, I just want to clarify, I joined the Marines, not the Navy. Um, and the rape was when I was an adult, not a child. Uh, okay. I just want to clarify that. But um, when I, I didn't really start to realize that I was in trouble, um, Lady J, until well into I was an adult. And after I had my kids, after I got married, after I had been through abusive relationships, um, because I'm 55 years old. And I will say, in all honesty, in the last 10 years is when I started to begin to like myself and come to terms with myself and um, face myself. And uh, and I apologize to my kids for a lot of different things that had happened with growing up you know, with them and stuff. So for me, it was my entire life. It wasn't until I was in my 40s that I started to realize it because... I had had relationship after relationship fail and um, and I kept attracting the same thing over and over and over. And the thing is, um, I noticed myself, I started to notice the patterns of behavior that I had. I started to notice that I was doing the same things. And when I started going to school uh, for psychology, that's when I started getting all my answers. And most people that enter psychology, you, you go there to figure out your answers first. You know, you really do. And um, and I started really making sense of it. And I've been in school now for the last 12 years because I've gotten many different bachelors and masters. And I'm in another track right now. And um, for the last 12 years, I've been in school. And um it was when I really started digging in and finding the history. And that's when I saw, number one, that I wasn't a monster. Number two, that what I did in the way that I responded, um, that there was a name for it because I did something called dissociate. I, I created a whole fantasy world because that's how I had to survive. And mm -hmm. I did not realize, you know, dissociation is um, is a mental health issue and like now today, they, you know, what they used to call multiple personalities, they call DID, dissociative identity disorder. And I absolutely right. did that. And I absolutely had to create another being for when I was going through the things. It was almost like I was watching it happen. And like I would have to escape my body, so to say, while it was happening to get through it. And it was like I was literally watching it happen like right. from above. And that's the same thing that most people who dissociate will um, describe it as. And, and I thought I was crazy, you know, and I lied a lot. 
and I made, and I, my mother always, you know, she's, she said, you're such a liar. You're such a liar, just like your father. And that was a shame. That was a sense of shame. But mm -hmm. now I found out, no, it wasn't that I was lying. It's I was doing anything I could to get attention drawn to me because coming right out and saying it wasn't doing it. So I would do stuff to get noticed at school. Like I, one time I took a hair dye and, um, you know, my hair is dark and, and I splattered it on my back because when you're like, and in the, and on my front, um, because you know, when you're in gym class and you got to get undressed and I was hoping somebody would see it and somebody right. would report and somebody would take me from my household, um, because I wasn't safe in my household. So I would go to great lengths like that, where, my mom and family would say, oh, you're such a liar. And you ask a bad thing. They didn't realize that that was a call for help. So, right. and that was the only way I could figure it out. But I, I didn't realize I really, really, really had a problem um, until like, yeah, 40s, I started working on it. I'll say about in my 30s, um, I really started to realize that this was dangerous to myself because my self-esteem no matter what I did, I couldn't shake this. Mm -hmm. you know, I couldn't shake um, really believing that nobody would love me, really believing that, um, you know, sometimes I, I would think I would be better off if I wasn't here. My kids would be better if they didn't have me as their mother. Mm -hmm. And, you know, because so much of my life was shame based and guilt based for things that I had done and um, and the way I was brought up, you weren't allowed to talk about it. So when I started finding right. those answers in the books and started, you know, seeing what this was called and realizing, wait a minute, I'm absolutely normal compared to what I've been through. This is an mm -hmm. absolutely expected reaction based off of what you're going to, because your body is designed to, um, you know, self-preservation at all costs. So right. I was trying to survive and I was trying to, you know, basically stay alive mentally, physically and, and everything. And so you, you do that by any means necessary. And right. uh, yeah, so in my forties, thirties, late thirties, forties is when um, I started to realize that I had a problem and I didn't, I didn't know, you know, all that time. Right. So it, it was wrong with me. It definitely uh, speaks to those who feel like, oh, it's too late in life. You know, I'm always going to be like this, even though I realized it in my 20s mm -hmm. and started to do the work. It took me a while. I didn't really, really come into true healing and uh, really start to be dedicated to do the work until and, and come into the understanding of my identity and who I was and understanding that it wasn't tied to anything that happened to me or my parents mm -hmm. um, until I was 30. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so that's a true Testament to understanding that as long as you have breath in your body, mm -hmm. you know, it is still, you still have time, you know, to, to go through the process and you have to face, you got to face the pain. You yeah. cannot fix what you refuse to face. Right. And you have to understand that people um, especially your parents. So a, a lot of trauma involves our parents, either something mm -hmm. they did or yep. did not do. Yep. And so what, what a lot of us tend to do is we internalize everything that they give us uh, verbally, mm -hmm. mentally, physically, mm -hmm. emotionally, all of those things. And then we tie it to our identity yep. and who we are has nothing to do with what they've said, how they treat us or anything that, that goes against mm -hmm. what it is that God says, who it is that God says we are and whose we are. So yep. anything that is uh, that is designed or has been designed or used to tear you down and to kill you spiritually, mentally, emotionally, even physically is, has nothing to do with who you truly are and what you are and how valuable you are and things of that sort. Mm -hmm. And we have to realize too, that our parents, they had lives before us oh, yeah. and they had experiences before we were even thought about and mm -hmm. based on how they reacted to those experiences and based on what tools and or resources uh, were available to them um, will determine how they parent and will determine what they pass on. And so it doesn't excuse their behaviors because it, all it takes really is to reach out for help and to right. ask. Right. But what it does do is give us a little bit of insight 
into why they do what they do into why they are the way they are. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and it gives us the ability to be able to understand that people cannot give what they do not have. They cannot yeah. teach what they do not know. Right. Um, and understanding too, that you have a choice in situations like this or um, when you're dealing with traumas, you have a choice to either become a product mm -hmm. of that environment or a product of that experience, or you can become the exception. Right. So um, you realized it at in your 40s. Tell yeah, me, what process did you go through or what steps did you take to begin the process of healing mm -hmm. and coming out of uh, those different uh, behaviors and altering mm -hmm. your mindset? Okay. Um, yeah. Great. Another great question. Um, for me, you know, um, at this point, you know, I had had five children. Um, I had grandchildren. I was a grandmother at 34. Um, I lost my oldest grandson. He was murdered uh, on his 13th birthday. It was after that. And um, I had been through two marriages, two divorces. For me, you know, you get used to putting everybody before yourself. So for me to put myself first, that was unheard of. Mm -hmm. um, so I actually developed compassion for my mother first. That was the beginning for me as I started to wonder what happened to my mom while she was still alive. And I started to think, you know, because I started to realize, you know, hurting people hurt other people out of their mm -hmm. own hurt. And I wanted to know what my mother's story was. And I started to inquire a little bit. And when she, when I saw how hard it was for her to even speak about her past mm -hmm. and none of her brothers and sisters would speak about it either. I was like, okay, there's something huge here, huge. Mm -hmm. And I developed compassion for my mother. Um, first, before I started looking for healing for myself, because, um, you know, again, I was used to putting myself last, but for me, the process that I did, there was no specified process. I actually went to something called landmark forum and, uh, and I had a breakthrough there and it was the type of coaching that they did. It made me confront, uh, cause at this time, you know, um, I had had two abortions. It made me confront the abortions that I had, that was something I never dealt with and I never faced. And that when I had to confront that, um, that was the beginning of the breakthrough for myself because I had always justified and rationalized, but I never faced what it meant for me to have those two abortions. <clears throat> and the man, the coach, uh, and he looked just like my father. He was Italian too. And so, and he gave me a challenge to find my father. And I had not talked to him since I was 12 years old. I saw him once when I was 12 and I'm in my forties now. And he's like, I don't care how you do it. And this weekend, find your father. And if you do, I promise you miracles. So right. I found my father some kind of way. I found him and I had the conversation and I was able to ask him, you know, why did you leave? Did you leave because of me? Because this whole time I was convinced it was me. And I said, you know, I feel like I wasn't worth keeping. And he said, no, Rhonda, it had nothing to do with you. And just having that conversation, that was the beginning of my healing is I was able to find my father. I was able to ask him. I was able to see the pain that my mom was going through. I was able to have compassion for her. And now I saw what my parents were working with. And that was the beginning for me to, you know, come to my realization. But when he told me that it had nothing to do with me, that was everything for me. And just the fact that I found him and I was able to ask him every question, how come you never looked for me? How come you never talked to me? My birthday is the same day as yours. You know, it's like, so I was able to ask, and that was the beginning of my healing is I was able to finally confront, not in an aggressive way, but in a loving way and say, look, you know, I've been carrying this all these years and I just need to know. Even if it hurts, just tell me what's the truth. And he was responsive and he broke down crying and he told me. And that, again, let me have compassion for my father. And that opened up a relationship. And um, he died last year. So I was able to meet him when I was 50 and he 52. He was able to see some of my kids and uh, we were able to get to know each other a little bit before he died. So I'm grateful for that. And, you know, my mom died 10 years ago. Um, and uh, you know, 
well, 11, a little bit longer than that. But, I, you know, for me, the process was getting the answers from my parents. Um, now, my mother never answered me, but my father did. And that was the beginning. So when I, I found that and confronting the abortions that I had, because I was I was so good at hiding what I felt. I was so good. I'm the one that always had the smile on the face and was dying inside. I'm the one that always looked like she had it together because I had to care for everybody because I was a single mom. I, I took care of all my kids because when I got divorced from my first husband, I divorced him because he was gay. And then I had to deal with my kids and deal with all their stuff. And, um, you know, mm -hmm. so I was used to putting everybody first. So that's why I think it took me so long to finally put myself first. Right. And I, when I finally started to put myself first and gave myself permission to put myself first and to get mm -hmm. the answers, that's when it started to change for me. Awesome. So I always try to give some tools, some practical steps that people mm -hmm. can, can use, uh, to start the healing process and to start to address trauma. So before we go into that, um, and I ask you to share some of the things maybe that you share with some of your clients, okay. uh, I want to go ahead and take our last break real quick. Okay. And then when we come back, we will continue this conversation uh, with Rhonda, everyone. And uh, give you some practical tips and tools that you can use to start your process because it looks different for everybody, but you can take a little bit from her, a little bit from me, a little bit from mm -hmm. Sally over there, a little bit from Joe and put it all together and whatever mm -hmm. works for you, you go ahead and you work that until you, you know, reach your goal. So stick and stay. We'll be right back. You are tuned into the Unpossible Radio Show with your girl, Lady J, right here on JQLM Radio, a division of Ego Entertainment Join the JQLM Radio family today. Syndicate your show or come host and produce your own show on air, live, or pre-recorded from anywhere in the world. That's not all. JQLM Radio also distributes your episodes to all major podcast platforms like iHeartRadio, Spotify, Spreaker, iTunes, Google Podcasts, and more. Come join this full service and support platform. Get help with sponsorships, Built from our current listeners from all over the world in 45 countries and growing. Gain access to promotional materials and let JQLM Radio promote you too. And be a part of our live media coverage team that covers events and hosts red carpet activities with celebrities and more. For more information or to join now, visit www.egoentertainmentnet.com or email us at jqlmradio at gmail.com. JQLM Radio, real voices, raw entertainment, and relevant topics. Track, Funk by Arulo. Indianapolis, it's time to turn your New Year's resolution into a lifestyle. Get ready for Impactful Fitness Presents Operation Move event. It's going down Saturday, February 5th, 2022 from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. at the Spotlight Indie Event Center located at 5060 East 62nd Street, Suite 100. Tickets are only $20. Music, demos, vendors, snacks, live classes, networking, and more. A portion of the proceeds go towards the MOVE organization. Ready, set, go. Get your tickets right now at impactfulfitnessllc.com. If you're tired of hearing the same music and content every 5, 10, or 15 minutes on air, then check out JQLM Radio for the realest, rawest, and most relevant variety of music, talk shows, and more. Start your days with a little bit of gospel and gospel rap from 4 a.m. to 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Then get into some hot R&B. 
som hip-hop. A little bit of pop. And some Neo Soul for the rest of the day. JQLM Radio, real, raw, and relevant. All right, and we are back. You are tuned into the Unpossible Radio Show with your girl Lady J right here on JQLM Radio, a division of Ego Entertainment Network. And we've been talking with Rhonda, and she's been telling us her story uh, about overcoming the impossible and how her trauma has uh, caused her to, you know, really look at herself, go through the process of healing and then equip her with the necessary tools and wisdom to then create total breakthrough so she can help others do the same. Now, uh, Rhonda, I was sharing before the break that I always like to give practical tools and tips that people can actually use to start their process, um, of healing and, or overcoming, the different uh, traumas and or life's hardships, even if it's not trauma, if it's a hardship, you know, that you're going through, how can you, um, what can you do? So one thing I, I would like to share is um, first, there's a difference between coping and uh, healing. Mm-hmm. So um, a lot of times uh, when you go into different programs, the end result is always to come up with a, a, uh, I'll say a coping plan or a plan to, to help you cope with the things that you've been through, but that should never be the end result. I truly believe that everybody has the ability to really be healed. And it's not that you'll be perfect and you'll have everything, you know, um, going right for you and you won't struggle to anything because then that will make us perfect. And all of us are imperfect. (laughs) So but it does give you the ability to live, you know, instead of just coexist with what it is that you've been through. So um, oftentimes we confuse coping with healing. Coping suggests that you have found a way to coexist with what Mm -hmm. you still possess, but need to release in order to move forward without finding yourself back where you started repeatedly. And healing suggests you have found a way to live through exercising forgiveness and participatory deliverance to rid yourself of the toxic matter that hindered your ability to move forward. And um, I wrote that in my book, my first, the first part of the life support series um, where I lay out, um, share my personal story. And um, I had to come to the understanding that um, one healing is a holistic thing. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked of, uh, earlier in the show that we have to address the root issues, right? Um, because the root issues, uh, the things that affect us emotionally, um, that then trickles over into how we see ourselves. So that mm-hmm. then, uh, has something to do with our mental, right? And then your physiological, and then your, exactly. Then those mm-hmm. issues can manifest themselves physically and mm-hmm. spiritually. Yep. So a lot of us, even if you don't, even if you're not a believer in God, you know, whatever it is that you believe in, I'm a believer in God. There is no way that I would have gotten to where I am without him. Mm-hmm. And so it's a holistic thing and it is a process. It doesn't happen overnight. But the more that you exercise those tools as you go through life and you find yourself in situations where maybe some of your triggers, you know what I'm saying, maybe activated, you'll find yourself being able to, to, to go through those steps quicker. You'll find just yeah. not being stuck for 20, 30, 40 years, you know, and things of that sort. So can you share a little bit about what tools and lessons have you learned that you share with your clients on how to start their process and get through some of those things that seem impossible to overcome? Sure. Um, the hardest thing to do and the first thing you have to do is is face the, the person in the mirror. I mean, that's the hardest thing to do because you lie to you all the time, but then you're also listening to you all the time and you believe you all the time. So we can be so disconnected from ourselves to where we don't even mm-hmm. recognize ourselves or acknowledge ourselves. And the hardest thing to do 
the, you know, where I had to start was I had to look in the mirror and I had to realize, and, and I, and, you know, number one, I did not like myself and I had to be honest about that. And I, I, I was hurting and there was many times I wasn't a good mother and I had to own up to everything I did. And I had to realize that, mm -hmm. you know, although yes, my mother had all her stuff and yes. And although a lot of things happened to me when I was growing up and, and everything, the decisions I was making now as an adult, that those were my decisions. And I had to, you know, realize that if I'm continuing to make bad decisions, then there's nobody to blame anymore. You know, I got to start looking inward instead of outward because I blamed my mom for a long time. I blamed the situation. I lived in that whole victim mentality for a very long time and I was comfortable in it. But the biggest thing is, is I tell my clients too, is, is, you know, you get used to your story, you know, because after mm -hmm. a while you become, your story becomes your identity. You got to right. be willing to give up your story. Mm -hmm. And that's a hard thing to do because who are you outside of your story? Right. You know, and when you go, when you're willing to give up your story, and I'm not saying that means you're, it didn't happen or anything, but right. it's not the crutch that you're known as because you can go down a downward spiral of just you are now your story and you don't see anything else. And mm -hmm. um, but I what I did is I looked at my uh, I had to look in the mirror and I had to admit and own up to everything that I did. And I had to face myself and I did not like what I saw. I did not like what I did. Um, and then I had to admit that I needed help and I needed to start getting the answers because I didn't have them anymore. I couldn't, I couldn't fake it anymore. I couldn't hide behind a facade anymore because it was destroying me from the inside out. And, you know, that was the beginning of it. And then after that, seeking help, you know, um, and for me, I, you know, reached out to people to talk to and, and I started research and stuff and I started digging in and doing the work. And, you know, and, and at that point, um, I started praying more because for me, I didn't have this great relationship with God. I, I, mean, I was pissed off at God. I was like, what, what the hell, you know, I know it's like, <laughs> I'm serious. I'm sorry. I don't have this wonderful Christian story because I see, you know, and I learned, you know, the way you see God, is that mm -hmm. that goes all the way to your attachment theory. And, mm -hmm. you know, I, I couldn't depend on my father. I couldn't depend. So for me to uh, depend on somebody that I couldn't even, I couldn't comprehend that. So that took me a very long time to get to. And, mm -hmm. you know, I didn't want any part of them. And, right. um, you know, but then I also had to remember the seeds that were planted. And, um, and then, you know, and I had my times where I was yelling and kicking and screaming and cussing God out. And, and the thing that I realized is, you know, he's big enough and strong enough to hear everything I had to say. And um, and he accepted me just as I was and met me where I was at. And it took me the longest time to forgive myself. That was another key is, is forgiving myself. I was I could forgive my mom. I could forgive my dad. But to forgive myself, that right. was the hardest thing of the mm -hmm. whole journey, because, you know, I, I was so full of guilt and shame and didn't feel I deserved anything. And to forgive myself, I almost felt like I was, you know, giving myself a pass. And, um, and that's all that I knew, but I started identifying the negative thoughts that were coming up and I started looking into where are they coming from, started breaking them down. You know, uh, where did that come from? And, um, and you, you have to, at some point, so you got to breathe for yourself because there's nobody that's going to breathe for you, you know, and, and you literally have to resuscitate yourself because sometimes it is just you and God or you and whoever you worship or whatever. But you know, that those hard things, when you're looking in the mirror, those hard things, when you're crying out, those hard things, when you're by yourself, those you're doing by yourself. There's no Calvary coming to save you. Exactly. It's like you have to, and that is scary. And, you know, when you got to dig your heels in and, you know, choose to live, choose to go on. And, you know, so yeah, I had to, yeah, I had to face myself, forgive myself, seek help and choose to go on. Yeah. Um, and yeah. So, um, I, I do want to, um, touch on, you know, something that you were saying, and I know that a lot of you who, you know, um, may believe in God. A lot of us have been angry with God at one point 
mm-hmm. in our lives. But one thing I had to come to the realization of is that um, everything that I went through was necessary. Absolutely. And I know people don't understand that when you mm-hmm. say that and it's like, what? You were a kid. None of that stuff should have happened to you. But mm-hmm. um, if it never happened, then how was I going to be able to help the people that I would be right. assigned to later? Because right. he already knew that somebody has to go through it in order to teach yep. somebody, because there are things that life teaches you that a book cannot, right. that an instructor cannot, because I, I, even though I have a degree in psychology, the instructor, one of my, mm-hmm. my instructor, and um, they have no clue on what right. it's like to grow up exactly. with uh, parents who are addicted to drugs. Exactly. They don't know what that's like. Yep. And, Unfortunately, while psychology does give insight into some of our behaviors, it is not something that can be applied to everybody on the same level. You know, it's not together and it's based on a bunch of theories and tests. So um, life teaches you some things that they cannot and that it cannot. And though the things that we go through in life are extremely painful, Mm -hmm. those painful moments not only give you tools and wisdom, but they keep you humble and mm-hmm. give you a sense of humility. Yep. Because you understand that in this life, really, you have no control. Right. Who's in control, and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> and so we don't get to pick and choose the gifts and talents that we're born with. Right. You know, we don't get to pick and choose those things, just like we won't get to pick and choose um how we obtain the things needed to help the the next person so mm-hmm. i would encourage people to think about the trauma and the hardships that you go through in life and it's difficult to do that when you're in it because when you're yeah. in it it doesn't feel good it right. doesn't look good uh even now i'm going through some things and you'll find mm-hmm. yourself mm-hmm. you know some of those same things coming back around again yeah yeah and and you have to realize and understand though that yes you're getting a lesson out of it, but it's not just for you. Right. And so that's uh, real important because mm -hmm. like I tell people all the time, you know, everything you go through is not for you anyway. So you Mm -hmm. come through to the other side, you break through because you're meant to go back and pull other people through and that weren't as strong as you. And you're like, Oh my God, I wasn't strong. I was horrible through this, but you're stronger than you think you are. Right. You have, once you come through it, you got the blueprint now for others. And that's why we're, we're saved to go through stuff. And, you know, and I used to be very resentful too. Like, Oh my God. Like I I stopped telling people everything I've been through because just to hear it coming out of my mouth, I'm like, Jesus, that's a lot. And it's like, I don't know. Like people are not going to believe that I was really through all exactly, this, you know, yep. but, but I know now, like you said, everything is necessary because I can identify with so many different people. And that's what makes mm-hmm. me such a great counselor because I can see what's not being shown and I can hear what's not being said. I can read stuff that's not there. I can recognize any woman that's being beat up that's covering everything up because I did the same thing. I can recognize stuff that in, in the techniques that I use, most of them are not from psychology books. It's it's a God-given right. gift. It's from going through the experience. It's from being there. It's like, you know, I'm an addiction counselor, but you know, um, like you can't tell a crack addict what it's like to come off a crack and pain and stuff if you've never been that so Mm -hmm. you know you go through those things because you're called to bring other people out right so we're down to the last like minute and a half man this is a great conversation yes Uh, can you real quick can you tell everyone how they can connect with you yes absolutely and i have a brand new workbook coming out this month uh but yeah you can um connect with me. Uh, totalbreakthroughcenter.com is my website. Um, you can follow me on Facebook. She's got all my connects up there. I do have a show me powered with Rhonda on JQLM radio show, but, um, if you need somebody to talk to or counsel, I have clients from all over the world. You can just call me. My number is four, seven, zero, five, five, seven, zero, five, one, five. And I will answer you back and, you know, work with you. But, um, yeah, uh, I would love to connect with you and, you know, help you on your journey. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Rhonda, for being my guest on um, on today. Uh, So guys, that's all we have for today. So as I always say, before I close out, after all of the hell you went through, the word through is an indication that you defeated the impossible too. New adversities will come, but overcoming them has already made you unstoppable. The favor over your life incomparable, which gives you the right to think and believe 
I'm possible. This is your girl, Lady J, and you have been tuned in to the I'm Possible radio show right here on JQLM Radio, a division of Ego Entertainment Network. And I'm out. Love y'all. Deuces. <laughs> <laughs>